Hi, I'm Susanna, and this is The Susanna Gibbs Show. Hello, Texans. Welcome. Thank you for being here. I am your host, Susanna. So I've been an actress and producer here in Texas for over 25 years, and I've also owned an insurance agency, which has been an interesting mix of art and business. And that's a lot of what this podcast is about. I am a sucker for a good story, and we hear such great stories from our clients. We talk to artists, we talk to idealists, we talk to entrepreneurs, the hows, the whys, the wins, the losses, and choosing to get up again. Now, we're also going to give you an insurance tip or story to send you out into the world at the end of this podcast. On the show today, we have Avita Tizano. Tizano. I say it wrong like three times, which is super embarrassing, but she is an amazing collage artist here in Dallas. She is getting national recognition, including a Guggenheim Award at the young age of 62. So you can't help but be happy for her success. Now you can connect with us at gibagencydallas.com and we've also put links to her art and some samples of her work up there. So thank you for being here. On with the show. So my guest today is Avita Tizano, 62 years young Dallas artist. She is the recipient of the 2023 Guggenheim Fellowship Award the prestigious Elizabeth Catlett Award for the New Power Generation, been awarded commissions by the Essence Music Festival in New Orleans, the Deep Elm Film Festival in Dallas, the legendary New Orleans Jazz and Heritage Festival, Jazz Fest, where in 1999 she became the first female artist to design its celebrated poster. Her mixed media collage paintings are so beautiful. They're so interesting to look at with many different bits of pattern paper and found objects depicting everyday scenes in Black life with such joy. So, Avita, thank you for being here with me today. Actually, I am 63 years young. I just had a birthday last month. Happy birthday. You do look so young. You do not look 63. I feel 63. I don't know what 63 feels like, but I feel like I'm in my 30s. I feel fantastic. Oh, well, I'm going to take you back to your childhood to start because you grew up in Port Arthur, Texas. And for those of us who have lived in Texas for forever but can't remember exactly where Port Arthur is, where is Port Arthur? Well, Port Arthur is southeast Texas and eight okay. miles from... Houston. Houston. Okay, that's what I thought. It's 45 minutes from the from the Louisiana border. So we're just like in a little small town uh, in the middle of, uh, they call it the Golden Triangle. So it's Orange, uh, Port Arthur, and Beaumont, that area. Okay. Texas. How did growing up there affect you artistically? Um, you know, I... Growing up did affect me. It was my family which nurtured me because my grandmother was a seamstress. Her mother was a seamstress. My aunt, my grandma's sister was a seamstress. So I was always surrounded by fabric and color and all that. So that, I think that kind of steered me to where I am now because I do these beautiful uh, pieces of paper and they mimic fabric. So I think that that's German. 
But Port Arthur was a really small, uh, segregated town when I grew up in the city. I went to... Hey, Evita, I don't want to lose you, but something happened with your sound. Did you move at all? It's like you're not as loud suddenly. No, I didn't move. Nothing happened. Oh, that you're back okay. now. I don't know what it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, you were saying it's se- it was segregated. I was segregated, and I went to an all-black high school. Uh, I went to an all-black elementary school. Uh, junior high, my 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 uh, elementary school. I went to Catholic high uh, elementary school. So that closed down. So I had to go to a um, a mixed race uh, a junior high school. And well, that was my first interaction with people of different ethnicities uh, when I was in junior high. Then I went back to all black high school uh, when I was high in uh, in high school. So uh, very, you know, very segregated and. Uh, I lived in a bubble. I was protected by my grandparents and my parents. So I I was nurtured. I was loved. I had a fantastic childhood. My grandmother used to sit on the floor and play dats with me. Used to uh Aww. used to make my dog clothes. Um I rem- I mean you have your artwork has these like beautiful scenes. Yeah. Of black life, but they're they're so much about joy and they're like they just seem happy. That's I mean that I'm a happy person. I grew up in happiness. I don't remember, you know, except for the bullying that I that I that I experienced in school, which is normal for kids. Um I had a wonderful childhood. So I I don't know anything else. So I I portray what I grew up with. That's what I create in my artwork is that black joy, that black love, that nurturing of families, the camaraderie of friends and relatives. That's what I mimic in my work. Do you, are you conscious of breaking the stereotype and projecting joy or that's just what you project? That is my, my mantra. Uh, yeah. yeah, I know. And I know that there are disparities in race. I know that there is sadness and all of that in the world. But there's other artists that do that. This is not my platform. My mm. platform okay. is joy, peace. I want to be an oasis of a little heaven when people see my work. I know that there was, you had a pretty significant shift in your artistic style after a dream. Yes. Yes. Will you talk about that a little oh bit? Goodness. I can remember it like it was yesterday. So I was painting, uh, I was doing uh impressionism work. And everybody, you know, people were saying, Oh, your work is good, but I wasn't moving forward with my career because I was working hundreds of do- jobs at the same time. It's not hundreds, but several, several jobs at the same time. I was painting, and I was on the road also with uh, a crew of people selling my wares. And I felt that I was stuck. So I started to pray, and I asked the Lord. I said, Lord, I have to do something different. And I had this dream where an angel came to my door and gave me a book of sketches and said it was from my Heavenly Father. And I looked at the sketches, and then I started to 
in my real life, I start to mimic the sketches. I start to do the sketches and, and show it to people. And they said, oh my goodness, this is completely different. This is a shift in your style. So I did them. That was in 98, the following year when I got the two commissions for Essence and also for the New, Heri the New Orleans Heritage Festival. I did the Congo Square Post. So I knew that I was doing right. And, you know, most people ask me, how did you hold on for that long? You know, from here to now, it's been 20, 20 plus years because of that dream. Because I knew that this was ordained and I knew this is what I was supposed to do. So. Were you, um, were you very, I know you said you prayed about it, but how, I'm assuming you were pretty religious be, even before the dream, oh, correct? Yeah, most definitely. Did your faith change because of that dream or did it? Uh, not, not really. Um, my faith didn't change. It just your art sequence because yeah. once I had the dream, I kind of knew what my path was because I asked the Lord to, for me to do something to totally different than anybody else. And when people see my work, they said, oh my goodness, nobody else is doing work like you your work is distinctive. So I know that this was a gift from God. I know it is. So he answered my prayers. And I, I guess, I think that it did strengthen my faith. Uh, I have always been a faithful person. Uh, and I've always believed that the Lord is my savior and he, he guides me and he, he helps me. I mean, all my life. But yeah. So... If your relationship with your faith was really strong, where would you describe your relationship with your art prior to that? Because I'm going to tell you, like, having been an artist for, I'm 20, 25, 26 years as an artist, man, there are times when I, you just think, why am I doing this? And you do it because you love it. But there's a point when you think, man, is this really, you know, the, the relationship with art is, volatile i i swear if, if if mine were like a relationship one of us probably would have gone to jail at some point because it's that up and down well, you know I, and i can attest to that but there was an artist in dallas uh he's passed on now i think he died in 2006 his name was a fellow back and he said i used to go to a studio and watch him paint and he told me he said avita he says your work is good he said never give up never give up he said always do what you're doing. And I remember his voice and I remember him telling and he was very stern when he told me that. And that's one thing that I keep in my mind, his words. And I said, I oh, oh I'm back. I keep, <laughs> I, keep my, I keep his words in my mind because he told me that and I did not want to give up. I, I don't know. I just had the determination and the stick to that I know that this is what's going to happen. And I was not going to give up because this is what I wanted to do all my life. Everything, ever since I was a little kid, my grandmother said, well, why don't you be a nurse? Why don't you be a teacher? I said, I want to do that. I want to be a, I want to be an artist. I want to be an artist. And she said, well, you're not going to make any money. And for so long, I didn't make any money. I didn't, but I didn't know anything else. I wasn't interested in anything else other than cooking. And when the cooking came along, it kind of fell in my lap. I did not go to culinary school. I just cooked well because of my upbringing with my, my grandparents and my parents. 
They were all great cooks. They are still great. My my parents are still alive. They are great cooks. Because cooking is an art form of a different type. It's it's creative. It's artistic. It's so, I mean, it makes sense that you would do well there too. 87, I became a vegan and I mastered the cooking of uh, of veganism or or, or, let's say plant-based eating. I mastered that. So when I started cooking, and I started taking my work to, I mean, taking my, my food to different meetup groups and stuff. There was a woman there that said, oh, why don't you come work in my restaurant? And that began my restaurant uh, career. So I worked at three different restaurants here in Dallas. I did a television show. I wrote a cookbook. So I was still successful in that realm as well. So th- that's the only thing I enjoyed was cooking and doing drawing. And I had ancillary jobs. You know, I, I was a, a receptionist. I did admin. I did those things just to make sure that my bills were paid. But end of, right. the end of, uh, end of it all, I was going to be an artist. So I know you, so it's three decades, and then you win this Guggenheim Fellowship. So, and, I, and I think it's interesting because as an artist, you can feel successful with your art, without having recognition, but you now have both, right? Yeah. You have these beautiful pieces of art that I'm sure you felt successful when you when you create them. You're like, that's good, but now everybody agrees that they're good. Yeah. What is that like? Oh my goodness! So I was I was sitting down and I was talking to my social media person, uh, and and we were just reminiscing because he's we've been together for almost ten years. And so he said, you remember when you were doing artwork? And I said, yeah. He said, how did you feel back then? And I, I, I knew that I would, was doing something, but I still didn't feel accomplished because I still had to work another job. And I was not recognized, but I, I, I had five booking galleries that was counting my work. And I said, it's going to come the time that I will only have one gallery and I will be successful. And the Guggenheim was always on my radar because I've heard about it and I said, oh my goodness, now I still have a little imposter syndrome because it happened all quick. It happened so quickly. I mean, it was like a flood. In the past three years, my life has totally changed. But sometimes when I'm alone in my studio, I turn my music up and I praise God and I feel like a rock star. I really do. Yeah. Yeah. So I know that in um, in 2018 and 2020, you had some pretty big name supporters find you. Who were they? So in 2018, I was represented by a gallery in New York. And she showed my work to Denzel Washington and he bought eight pieces. Eight pieces. Eight. Ah! It was amazing. When she said eight, I said, okay. Are you saying one, two, three? And I went on. And she said, yes, yes. And uh, as a result of that, I was, uh, I did a live one day. And one of my collectors that bought my work in Ohio texted me. And she said, you know, I want to tell you how I found you. She said, I was up one night and I heard uh, Samuel Jackson and doing an interview and then she mentioned you he said does he have your work i said 
No, I don't think so. Because I said the gallery would have told me. One of the galleries that that uh, uh, had my work would have told me. And so, you know, me being the risk taker that I am, I DM'd him on Instagram. And he responded back. And I said, I called my social media guy and I said, is this the real Samuel Jackson? And <laughs> did he really? I said, oh my goodness. So I responded back. I said, hey, Mr. Jackson. I said, uh, I don't know what to say. You know, I said, thank you for responding to my, to my, um, to my thing. He said, oh, I love your work. He said, I started at the Washington's. And he said, uh, and then he started liking my work on my post. And I said, wow. And then he said, oh, I love this piece. And I said, okay. So he said, how can I, I buy it? I said, well, I have another one. And so I showed him the largest piece of a couple that I wanted. And he said, well, I want to buy it for my, my wife for our, our 40th anniversary. So when he saw the piece, I sent it to him. He said, how can I purchase this? I sent him my phone number, I sent him the prices and the bitches. And I thought one of his assistants was gonna call me. The man called me himself on the phone. When I saw Beverly Hills, California on my call ID on my phone, I said, no, this man is not calling me. And he, and he, I mean, <laughs> talked to me like, I was like his homie. He said, hey, Avita, what's up? This is Sam. And I kept saying, like, you guys go way back. Remember, we go way back all of five minutes ago. I said, oh, no. I said, I can't. I said, you have to wait because my, my heart is on the floor right now. And I mean, we, I mean, we don't, we don't talk, but we text each other, every, every, you know, different times when I, I tell him when I'm having a show, tell him when I have another collection. He said, well, I'm going to be in Europe. I mean, we keep in contact at least three or four times a year. So it, That's it's so really, great. He's, he's a real down to earth. So yeah, and then you know I have several several other stars that are like waiting to see what my next collection is because they they've reached out and they they've been excited about my work. So it's pretty exciting. It is exciting. I mean, so there's been a huge change in in recent years to have more type of people represented in TV, museums, galleries. And there's also a big surge in Black audiences wanting more art made by Black artists. Do you feel like that has helped you find a broader audience? I know that you credit Instagram as well. Because that's where the surge happened, especially during COVID. I was was not represented by Louise Davis then uh, at the beginning of COVID. Uh, So... My, I was selling my own work and I know I was going to FedEx at least twice a week and shipping out work. So I don't know what it happened. And it was, it was all nationalities that was buying my work. It was not just black people. Uh, it was all nationalities. So Instagram, I, I, I say that Instagram was my earthly savior because it changed, it changed the game for me. And I decided in 2019, I quit my job as a chef. I was working at one of the local uh, uh, casual fine dining vegan restaurants. And I quit my job and I never looked back after that. And then that's when everything started happening. 
And in the fall of that, that same year, that's when Louise de Jesus uh, reached out to me. Exactly. I know the day, the month, November, they sent me an email and they said, oh my goodness, we love your work. And we would like to show a couple of your pieces. And I had my first show with them, solo show in 2020. So my world turned upside down. And what was so amazing is they did not do a studio visit. They saw my work on Instagram and they said, okay, we want to show your work. And so it was going to be only four to six pieces. And then I started, I was so excited that I started just doing all this work and I was doing large pieces because that's what they requested. I've never, never had work big before, only small. And I started doing these 48 by 48 pieces and, you know, five foot pieces. And they said, Avita, she he said, you do a lot of strategies work. Why? We'll, we're going to, we want to do you uh, a solo show. First time, did a solo show. Two weeks before the show even hung, it was sold out. Wow. And this was, look at yeah. you. It was amazing. I mean, I, I still feel like I'm daydreaming because everything has happened so quickly. This has been uh, yeah. less than three years. It'll be three years in November that they reached out to me and it just happened so quickly. Okay, so I'm gonna ask you a question and you don't have to answer it if you don't okay. want to because I know talking about money is taboo and if you have to ask that old saying of, if you have to ask what the price is, you can't afford it, but What's your art going for? Or if you don't want to say, what was one piece that went for this amount that was most exciting for you? Um, my work goes for between ten and $50,000. Um, yeah. Yeah. Look at you. That's so great. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's really exciting to where I was and where I am now. And people they don't mind paying because they see the craftsmanship. And, you know, I, I do, you know, I'm very confident because I know that the craftsmanship is there. I do, I do a lot in my work, you know, I yeah. every single uh, pattern. And then I try to mimic the pattern that I paint when I do the backgrounds. It's a lot of layers. I do a lot of research also uh, of my, my heritage because I'm Creole. My last name is Tizano. So I do a lot of work, you know, uh, Harriet, I sit down and talk to my parents and I do a lot of research about Creole history and about uh, black history as well. In the forties, the forties and fifties are my dance. You know, I love that era. Yeah. I think the, the ladies were so dainty and, and so classy during that time. Well, and the hats, and that, man, the hats. Uh, and I remember my grandmother having those things in her, in her closet that she didn't wear anymore, but she still had, and I used to play with them. So I do, I, I, there's a lot of time and effort that goes in my work. And I, I love that people see, see the value in that. So Besi I, I don't doubt it, honestly. I mean, I'm a sucker for sunflowers, so I'm sure you know, like one of my favorites is I miss that loving yeah. feeling. Um, one of my other favorites was clothesline chit chat yes. because I could hear the conversation that was happening between those women. Like I could just, I could hear it. I knew at what point of the conversation they were. It, what is it about your work that, that strikes such a chord with people? You say it reminds them of home. 
They said it gives them that 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 warm cuddle pe- feeling, like you want to curl up with a blanket and uh, you know curl up with your your parents and and just watch and your grandparents and, and yeah have the sense of family. They said that that makes them just feel like they're going home, especially the people that's from the south. They said, "Oh my goodness, this makes me feel of when we used to have family reunions or when I used to see people." Uh, just kind of sitting on the front porch. That's what people uh, identify with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I agree. I agree. It reminds me of a lot of lo- the little girls that I grew up with. They would sit in front of me in class and their moms would do their hair and all these cool braids with the beads. And I just wanted to touch so bad. And they were like, they'd turn around and be like, what are you doing? And I was like, mm, nothing, nothing, you know? They're so, so neat. LaVita Tizino. Tizino. Um, I did it wrong again. Ah, Tizino. Tizino. What else do you want to talk about before we finish up today? Is there anything that we didn't get to that you want to mention that you have something upcoming? Well, right now, I have a show that's hanging at the uh, Houston Museum of African American Culture in Houston. It will be up till June 17th. I'm doing a talk okay. there on the 13th of June. Uh, Ooh, nice. If you guys want to come out, if people want to come out in Houston, uh, it's from, uh, I think it starts at 7 o'clock on the 13th, and I will be there, and my parents will be there, so I'm excited. Aww. Yeah, my mom and dad. And uh, the next thing after that, I am, oh, first, first before that, I'm going to Google, I'm going to get my Guggenheim Award next week. Yay! The presentation is next week. And then, oh my gosh, I'm so excited for you. That, you know, I'm going to do my talk. And, you know, look forward to my show that's coming up in August uh, at the Louise de Jesus. I have a solo show there uh, coming up in August, late August. And that's that's in L.A., right? I need to hook you up. I have some friends that live out there, and they have a restaurant called Blue Jam Cafe. Yeah, it's such good breakfast. It's so good. It's all the comfort breakfast things. But they're, um, I thought about them a lot because they're very like, LA is the best for food. They're like, LA has the best food. And I know that you had to go to LA to get some of the recognition here. And it made me think about that. But I'm so glad to have you as a Dallas artist that we can that we can claim for Texas because Texas has a lot of cool things going on. And it's really, it's really great to be able to spotlight Texas and Texas people like you um, here on our and podcast. It's so funny that a lot of people want to try to pull me from Texas. They said, why don't you move here? I said, no, I am a Texas girl and I will be in Texas until I close my eyes. I am a Texas girl. I love Texas. Speaking of staying in Texas, How's your house hunt coming? Oh, my goodness. People are buying houses like they're free. It's amazing. I find a house, and before I can put a bin on it, it's gone. So I am looking. I have a great realtor, and hopefully I will find a house before the year is out. Well, I hope when you find that house that you will let us shop your insurance for you, and we can be your great insurance agency. That would be so fun. Okay. That'd be Yay, thank you. All right, Miss Evita, thank you again.
Texas has such cool people in it, doesn't it? I know. I love, I love how joyous she is as a person. And it just, it really, it seeps out through her work. And the best part about art is making it. But that she is just being recognized is like the gravy on the cake. Okay, that's not a good cliche. That's terrible. But I'm just going to run with it and pretend like gravy on a cake is a thing because, you know, maybe it is. Maybe gravy on cake is good. Okay, moving on to our insurance tip of the week. Since we're talking about art, let's talk about personal articles floaters. And these policies are places you put your jewelry your cameras or your art. You can even put purses on there. Now the kicker on these policies is that um, the way that you list out your valuables. So if you list your piece of art, maybe you bought Avita's piece of art back when it was only $500 and now it's worth 10, 15, 25, $30,000. But on your insurance policy, it's only listed there at $500. If there's a loss, that's what the insurance company is going to pay. Not what it's worth at the time, but how you listed it. So it's really important to keep these policies updated and communicate with your insurance agent regularly about it. Now, if your insurance agent is not fabulous, then um, hopefully you'll choose us to be your fabulous insurance agent. So thank you for being here. If you have a story or something that you'd like to promote We'd love to hear from you, whether you're our client or not. Go to GibAgencyDallas.com to connect with us. Take care, and we'll see you again next week.